Welcome to the first edition of the Unmade podcast. I'm Tim Burrows. Now, Seven has just wrapped up its presentation for its 2022 upfronts, new tech capabilities, the Commonwealth Games, and some familiar tentpole shows are among the headlines. Joining me as Unmade's first guests, first of all, the man with maybe the longest job title in the media, Kurt Burnett, Chief Revenue Officer, Director of Olympic, Paralympic and Commonwealth Games, Organisational Strategy and Sales Slash Marketing, and Natalie Harvey, Network Sales Director for Seven West Media. Welcome both of you. Thanks, Tim. Well, what an honour to be on the first. Um, I don't know where you got that title from, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly that's what LinkedIn um, accuses oh, you of. Kurt. <laughs> and uh, and Natalie, welcome to you as well. Hello, Tim. Thanks for having me. And Kurt. Let's get. <laughs> well, let's get straight into it. Um, I think one of the interesting things about the upfronts this year, and it's it's probably been a story for for all of the networks, or certainly you know nine, which has has already come along, and now yourselves. Um, so much this year is about the technology and the trading. So in your case, this is Code Seven Plus, along with a tie-in with Salesforce. So let's maybe start with what practical difference that's going to make for media buyers. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll kick off with. With that, Tim, and first of all, its audience is is our uh, you know metric uh, or our driver of success, um, and that's delivered by great content. Of course, I mean it, it does start and pretty much end there. But of course, when it comes to ensuring that that audience is traded in the most effective and efficient way, um, that's what everyone's now trying to crack or has been over the last few years. So technology does play a part in that as it does in all industries now. So technology is an important part of, of that and is certainly a big part of Seven's um, future. So Code 7 uh, has been with us uh, for a few years now uh, and that's effectively uh, an automated guaranteed audience buy, which means that you brief in uh, you know, what you want from audience and that gets delivered um, and it's effectively one touch from the customer being the agency on behalf of the client. Code 7 Plus uh, effectively is a whole new uh, technology platform underpinning that solution, which brings in a new digital order management platform. It links in a CRM, Salesforce CRM, which is you know, quite clearly the leader in the world on this. Um, and the digital order management platform that we're adding to that um, is Salesforce's new um, business media cloud, which so it's the first in Australia. Um, so in, with some of these vendors, not all of them, but some of them, linkage is really important, and that's what Salesforce brings to this particular equation, along with some other um, very well-known um, vendors um, to bring the solution alive. So what that does, quite simply, is makes uh, the transacting, tra- transaction faster and more effective across uh, broadcast, BVOD, um, and even our short form, in, in our case, sevennews.com.au and the short form into to the West Australian. The idea being is how we can tie that together um, as an audience trade for our customers to get to the audience faster and quicker, transact quicker and get deeper using um, data segments. So uh, integrated into that platform will be Voz and also um, Red IQ, which is our uh, data management platform. So all of the data points come together. So all of that you know, you have to have your content, right? That's the first and foremost point. You must have that in a good place across broadcast and digital, which we do on 7 and 7 Plus, leading platform across both. 
And this technology brings it together. So when our customers are transacting with us, uh, you can get them a far more effective way of trading. Well, let's just clarify one point on that with Salesforce then. Is one of the things that this this Salesforce arrangement will allow um, that clients will be able to bring their first party data to the party? Well, the way that we're building uh, 7 Red IQ is actually the um, the integrator of that, where we can bring in third-party data sets into there. So we um, that is the entry point of which then comes into Code 7 Plus. So yes, is, is the answer. It's just the way that it comes through. Yeah. And then, obviously, this is the arrangement with Salesforce. Um, as you say, one of those the, the the major tech stacks out there, possibly the major tech stack. Not not you know not far out of the ballpark though is Adobe. How do you think about Adobe? Well, we use Adobe uh, in our um, in Red IQ as part of our um, our partners. So they are um, an enabler. We have um, Adobe's um, part of that equation, um, as is um, a number of other um, you know data partners that can enable. That connection to happen. Um, our mantra is plug and play your way. And what that means is that however you wish to uh, engage with 7West Media, that we have that solution um, to do so. And if you're an Adobe you know, um, partner, then that's what we'll use um, to bring you into our um, environment. That's uh, a very clear mantra when we started You know, with the build on this was to make sure that we could engage with those however they want to engage with. The idea that we build it and it, they will come, um, I don't, I'm sure you know most would agree that those days are gone. Um, you can't just say this is the way you have to do it now. You've got to sort of yeah play into the various op- options that others have. And um, as I say, this this seems to have been one of those years where where this this is a really major focus. Now, one of the things that uh, Nine announced at their upfronts was that um, they would enable media agencies and clients to to effectively book everything apart from main channel prime time via their version, which is Galaxy. I think what you were saying just now about being able to kind of automate that booking is that you're able to do the same thing with Code 7 as well. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, there's been a lot of work in the industry uh, between the broadcasters to work together, to bring VOZ together, to, you know, BVOD work that's going on, as well as getting uh, TV buying easier just in standardisation of file types and a whole lot of work that's gone through the TV23, which you may have heard of. So that... That's happening at industry level. And then each of the broadcasters will deliver their own version of how they enable that. But we've all got a common goal, and that is to make TV buying easier. And TV being the total television, which is, you know, metro, regional, BVOD, uh, that is total television. So, yes, ours does that, um, as others will do. And just to build on that, Tim, I think that the market needs to evolve in how we classify time zones. If you think about how viewing behaviour occurs on 7 Plus, there is no peak and off peak. Uh, People are watching content whenever they want to watch it on whatever device they want to watch it. So I do think that as we move into a world of convergence that the legacy ways of buying television across broadcast and digital need to evolve. And that's one area that is probably a potential that 
could change in the future. Look, that's interesting you mentioned that as well. I noticed on, on LinkedIn when I was looking at your job titles just now, you, you were just mentioning, Natalie, that you're currently hiring for a head of convergence audience trading, which you, you mentioned in that as a sort of sales tech and product role. What, what does that say about the direction you're travelling in? Well, what's interesting about this role is as we've been looking at where this role exists currently, our understanding is nobody has a role like this in any organisation. Um, and what I believe that says about where we're moving to is very much a future-focused industry around screens coming together to make it easier for our customers to buy our audiences no matter where they are to look at new ways of trading when it comes to currency of trading as well as a key piece there, but also having technical capabilities to be able to be part of our Code 7 Plus project build as well. So in all honesty, we're looking for a bit of a unicorn, but I think we might have found one. Ah, <laughs> oh, who is it? You'll have to wait and see. Keep watching my LinkedIn profile. But, but I think it's it's also worth adding to that, you know, like uh, – we as we have customers and our customers are our clients and their agencies. So we can come up with whatever it is we want to come up with, but we have to be solving the challenges that are in front of us that our, our customers you know, need. So that's what we are solving for in this convergence piece of all of the briefs that are coming in this year uh, for next year, now for next year, they all include a solution that allows audience trading to take place across broadcast and digital. It's not going to happen every time straight away, but it's going to happen over time where effectively audience will be traded fluidly across platforms. It's happening. It's real. It's live. We're structuring our departments on it. Um, we're hiring for it, as you call out, as you as you mentioned, and we're setting up technology for it. So it's, um, it's actually a very exciting time uh, to be in television in that respect. And, um, you know, I think it's been a great deal of success on you know, the BVOD services, 7 Plus is going phenomenally well. That's allowed us to do things like what we're talking about now. If we had said two years ago, let's trade convergently, audience trading on 7 and 7 Plus, no one would have it. Well, let's come on to, we'll come on to um, to BVOD um, in, in, a, in a few minutes if we get time. As you, as you say, content is so much of, of, of the game still, of course, uh, including for Seven, Seven West Media Sport. So one of the announcements uh, this week, Commonwealth Games uh, from Birmingham in the UK. Um, obviously, it's not it's not the best time zone for you. Um, how, how big do you expect them to be nonetheless? Well, I'll, I'll make a comment now that, uh, that the Commonwealth Games will feature in the top 10 um, rating programs for 2022 uh, because... We've got 44 hours of prime time uh, where there will be events played out, finals played out from 7.30. So we'll have our news home and away into live events. So live goes all the way through into early morning. But that prime time is during the day. And remembering in Tokyo that uh, the finals for the swimming was during the day. Um, we're not suggesting it's going to be to the same levels of Tokyo, but it's certainly going to be um, to this, you know, as I say, it will feature in the top 10, if not top five, uh, ratings for 2022 across broadcast and BVOD, bearing in mind its total video. So, uh, you know, 100 and, I think it was 170 medals we won in 2018 Commonwealth Games. So you imagine it, that's almost, I think it's double or triple the size of to uh, Tokyo. 
So there's uh, a huge amount of Australian meddling going on. Um, and, you know, as Nat mentioned before, it's redefining prime time. So you're going to see weekend day delivering the same numbers as prime time. So it's, um, it's actually, it's a natural fit, really, after what's happened with Tokyo and what will have happened of the Winter Games in February next year that, you know, we move into July and we have the Australian athletes on 7 and 7 plus again. And one of the things that interests me is that you have bought all of the rights, including, as you say in the announcement, the subscription TV rights. What um, what are your options for those subscription TV rights? Because clearly you don't, that's not an offering you currently have. We tried in Rio. We actually had a, a paid service um, through there. An element of it was was paid. And look, our you know our options are open at the moment. That's uh, giving all rights, including radio, um, gives you options to um, you know utilize those subscription rights or not. I mean, it was great success in Tokyo without subscription, um, but you know I think anything's possible, and we'll work out what the best proposition for us as a business is, and also what's best for the consumer, and um, and go from there. So I, I don't think anything's off the table. Speaking of things that aren't off the table, you've you've also got first right of refusal on the 2024 Paris Olympics. And I, I must ad- admit, I've been anticipating an announcement perhaps around those this week as well, less than three years away. Um, when are you going to make your mind up about those? Well, all we can say about that is that, you know, the Olympics, they are in our DNA. And, um, you know, it's something that we were there in 1956, um, in you know, in Melbourne. So, uh, we love the Olympics. Um, we've worked very well with them, uh, very closely with the IOC, you know, and the Paralympics, I might add. We had great success with them. Um, so, you know, we are all having discussions and, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep discussing those options with um, the IOC. But everything also has to make sense. You know, there's no, there's no uh, margin for, you know, rights that don't make financial sense. Yeah, look, I think it was reported, or I think maybe James Warburton said at one of the uh, investor updates that Tokyo, and obviously understandably because of all the disruption of COVID, maybe lost the network something like 50 million. Um, how do you go into a negotiation for Olympic rights and get the right outcome at the other end? Well, I wouldn't want to get into those details now, Tim. That's a, that's a very good question, but... Um... You know, we have we have a view on that, and um, you know, let's just see where all of that ends up. Do you reckon um, if we were to talk in three years' time, you'll still have the word Olympic in your job title? <laughs> well, given that's how long it is, I've got to get something in there, don't I? So, yeah, that's that's a good reason to do it for sure. <laughs> we'll add that to the list. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, just one more sport question, uh, and then I'll, I'll bring Natalie back in again. Um, there was some reporting this week that. Seven would be interested in NRL. Now a, a cynic thinks, okay, look, it's always worth saying that because it drives the price up for nine, which doesn't do seven any harm. Um, are you serious about getting NRL? Well, we were just talking about the power of sport um, and we're serious about um, all, you know, marquee sports and NRL is one of those. Um, but again, everything needs to make sense in, in those, you know, the, the discussions, you know, there's, that's, I guess, the best way to explain that. And uh, do you think you could afford both NRL and Olympics? I think everything's affordable at the right price. 
Uh, Natalie, let me bring you back in. Um, something else which which really interests me about the, um, the 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 content lineup, which will be interesting to get your sense of how you take something like it to the market. So, this coming uh, coming year, we'll see three talent shows: The Voice, Australia's Got Talent, and Australian Idol: The Return of. How do you take that to the market? Is it one story at a time, or how do you tell the story? I think uh, the benefit, Tim, of having all those powerhouse talent shows um, is A, we get to showcase diversity of talent because they're all slightly different, Um, but B, we get to schedule them so that they don't compete against each other and that they're complementary to where we would expect to see a spike of audience or relevance for uh, brands. So we treat them separately and we schedule them to where we believe we're going to get the best outcome for audiences as well as for brands as well. And then you've got um, a new uh, twist on house rules this year in apartment rules, which again, I I, I guess the sponsor opportunities are fairly obvious around that. Oh, absolutely. Um, All you have to do is drive a few k's outside of Sydney and you'll see all the apartments that are being built um, along the light rail and other Um, public transport lines and you'll see how many people will be interested in this new format and we've been able to prove with shows like The Voice, like Big Brother and Farmer Wants a Wife that a reimagined format will bring audiences in across both broadcast and digital and we know that house building content is very popular for brands because it does bring in an audience that has money um, and that is engaged in this really highly valuable content. And um, Natalie, as, as as Kurt was saying, um, BVOD is, is is growing, and again, it looks like there's a there's a further investment in the kind of content library for that. Um, what sort of um, revenue growth for BVOD have you budgeted for next year? So, from a market perspective, it's we we're expecting to see the growth that has been delivered over the past couple of years to continue. Absolutely. Um, and I do believe that with our approach to convergence and the market approach to convergence, that that will see that growth accelerate even further. Um, major events like the Commonwealth Games will bring in new digital revenue as well. We saw that with Tokyo, the attraction for non-television brands to invest into such a premium environment. So I think it's going to be another really positive year for BVOD. And just to, just to add to that too, I think an important note of why 7 Plus is leading uh, you know, currently in, in the marketplace, there's probably a, it's driven by the big events. Tokyo certainly, you know, drove the audience forward, um, as to the voice and SAS has been huge. But 70% of the content on 7 Plus is exclusive. That is, it's not on broadcast. So I think there is a misconception sometimes that it's a catch-up service. I mean, certainly the large volumes comes through the streaming and the VOD of the big shows of voice and and SAS, et cetera, home and away. But it's a really key point. 70% is exclusive content on 7 Plus and the viewing consumption is about 50-50. So, uh, you know, it's it, it's a, it's far more than just a catch-up service and it's a really important part of the strategy that, that's helped drive us to where we are. And the, uh, the sheer amount of live programming that people are just choosing to take over BVOD, has that taken you by surprise a bit? As in the, the bunch of people are just using it to stream the main channels. Yeah, well, I think it's it's probably surprised that um, that uh, you know how much of that is going on. But what's we saw earlier on was the connected television. So we saw 
this gradual rise of the streaming that was taking place going from mobile and laptop into the connected TV. So now it's over 70%. So once people move to the big screen, that live uh, that live streaming is is uh, starting to you know take um, a very very strong hold so now it's kind of the norm that it is so much live streaming going on however I will say that um, out of the Olympics if you know and it is the Olympics admittedly but what an interesting insight was there that 59% of the video that was happening was um, of VOD um, and not of the seven and seven mate uh Broadcast, so you know there there is some exclusive stuff happening there, but um, certainly live streaming is a is a big. It's certainly, we saw that with the AFL Grand Final as well. Um, but I still think you know of, of one of the big trends that are continuing this year that will continue next year, and that is the connected television. I still say I've said it before and I'll say it again: the most underutilized marketing weapon in the country is the connected television. Um, there's still a huge opportunity for brands to become involved with that. Technology's kept, uh, ad tech's getting better at um, capturing that. We're working on a number of our new data solutions that we announced in the upfronts today um, about that, and um, we'll continue to focus on that area. Well, something else that um, interested me today is, you know, traditionally for any free-to-air TV network, just about all of its revenue comes from the advertisers and the, the sponsors, not from directly from the audience um you've announced seven shop which is i guess an attempt to bring in the beginnings of a revenue stream direct from the audience um what sort of incremental revenue are you hoping to drive from that well in the early stages it's it's actually about content utilization so when we're producing yeah and maybe also if you don't mind explain exactly the concept of seven shop as well sure so Seven Shop is actually we we launched it a couple of years ago, eighteen months ago, under Seven Cap, which is um, contextual advertising placement. So that was about the ads, where we used AI to take out moments in the creative that we would place ads, like um, you know party scenes, happy party scenes, putting um, you know Cadbury's chocolates near ads near those moments. So finding the moments in the content and putting ads next to it. We launched Seven Act, which and then enabled QR codes, dynamically inserted QR codes, which is uh, we've done a number of those this year. Um, the next evolution of that is Seven Shop, which means that you can actually shop the content as it appears in the content itself on Seven Plus. So if you're watching Home and Away and you pause, um, you can actually see the board shorts, the sunglasses, the product that's in the show itself, and you can get information on it, put it in your cart, or shop straight away. So the initial uh, benefits for that is viewer engagement. Uh, and then also advertiser engagement. So EVE is our philosophy, the enhanced advertiser and viewer experience. We've spoken about that a lot. That's what this does. So Seven Shop initially is about a stickiness for an audience and us as an enabler to a direct link to a brand's uh, purchase. The revenue um, that, you know, earnings on the way through. We're not, just to be clear, in the early stages, we are not creating a marketplace, our own marketplace. Seven Shop is a uh, e-commerce enabler um, is what we'll use that in the first instance. And then we'll sort of, you know, this is a multi-year strategy. Um, we're into the second year of that. So it will evolve, um, you know, and potentially earn clips of ticket on the way through. But the early stages is as an enabler which is the other part to that is the seven rewards, which we launched with um, a company called Entertainment, which was the original 
um, rewards program, which was in the um, you know the old time booklet, but it's turned into digital. So that is uh, part of this ecosystem, if you like, and strategy. Which is, if you are watching in seven plus, you get rewarded for watching more, um, coming in more, watching longer. Um, and you get rewards for doing so. That is half price tickets, 10% off this or that, whatever it might be. You know, that does two things. That creates a value equation for the uh, customer coming into 7 Plus. So it's a viewer engagement again. This is the Eve proposition. But for the ad, uh, the advertiser, it obviously means that their brand is in front of um, clients and, uh, sorry, consumers, and they are transacting with that brand inside that environment. And they can also shop. Um, with the seven shops. So it's a combination of um, action and uh, attention and attribution because all of that throws off data. It's another reason in a cookie-less world of why somebody would provide their information to you. Um, so, you, you know, if there's a very clear strategy on a number of levels and, you know, we'd like to think that it's the full funnel marketing solution, you know, driving broadcast strategies or brand strategies uh, linking into e-commerce strategies. Well, um, maybe the final question for me, and I think hopefully it's one you can both answer and have different answers to. One of the things that strikes me about the program lineup is, you know, there's a lot of stability. There's a lot of, um, and I mean this in a good way, safe bets for uh, for marketers where they'll they'll you know they'll have plenty of information about how shows are going to perform based on how they've done previously. But also, of course, the TV industry does like and reward risk-taking. So I wonder from both of you, when you look at kind of all the announcements from this week, what do you each think is the bravest thing you're going to do next year? Well, it's, that's, that is a good question. Because uh, the lineup, and I'm, I'm, you know, I guess Hey Hey it's Saturday special uh, on Sunday night sort of highlighted the fact that... Um, you know, nostalgia is powerful. Yes, not many people it, expected the sort of ratings it delivered. No, they didn't. But it talks to, um, you know, known but new. So known formats in a new um, new way of, of, you know, delivering. And I think probably the biggest announcement um, and the one that I think could perform the best out of, all, you know, all of those shows coming back is, is My Kitchen Rules. I would say that's probably the safest bet probably doesn't answer quite your question, but I think, uh, you know, after the research we've done and, you know, we've watched and we did talk about it coming back next uh, last year, I think you might recall. And, um, you know, it wasn't right. Um, but this time it's right. Um, it's shorter, faster, fresher. It will have all the e-com stuff in there. That's nothing to do with the consumer side necessarily, but it's just another engager. Um, but for me, that's probably the show I'm most excited about that I think can really make a difference um, into the back, back half of next year, you know, launched out of the, or near enough to, out of the Commonwealth Games. So, yeah, I think that's that's probably the, the biggest, safest bet for us. And that... I like how Kurt turned that question around. Um, always a salesman, but 100% agree with him. Um, from my perspective, and I'll, I'll take a buyer's view on it, just because I used to be a buyer and I'll... I'll say the Winter Olympics or the Olympic Winter Games. And the reason why I'll say it is because last time when we were selling it with a very similar time zone, we had a lot of people saying, oh, it's not going to rate. People aren't going to watch it. It's the Winter Olympics. And, boy, they were wrong. Same with Tokyo. It was massively under forecast by the buyers um, and we had people scrambling to get on. Um, I think that the Olympic Winter Games provides a massive opportunity for brands, a really nice um, alternative to what else is on at that time of the year. 
um, and will deliver huge cross-screen audiences. So I would suggest there's probably some people sitting there going, oh, Olympic, win Olympic Winter Games, not sure, but avoid at your peril would be my suggestion there. <laughs> well, Upfront is always a busy week, so I will let you both go about your duties. Natalie Harvey and Kurt Burnett, thank you very much. Thanks, Tim. Great, great to talk. Thank you. The Unmade Podcast is produced with the enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. If you don't already, do sign up for the Unmade newsletter at unmade.media. More soon, I'm Tim Burrows. Toodle pip. Unmade.